review and apply the truth of God's sovereignty. If you understand God's sovereignty, you'll be thankful to Him because you'll know that whatever good you have comes from Him and that He's in control even when the evil things come. While He didn't bring them, He can use them for good. So if you understand God's sovereignty, it will promote thanksgiving in your heart. Welcome to The Word Unleashed with Tom Pennington. Tom is pastor-teacher at Countryside Bible Church in Southlake, Texas. Hi, I'm Bill Wright, and today Tom continues his series titled The Holy Spirit's Influence. Last time, Tom began to explore the second of the three evidences for the influence of the Spirit found in Ephesians chapter 5, and that is having a consistent pattern of thanksgiving in your life. If you're a person filled by the Spirit with the Word, there will be thanksgiving. It should be a constant pattern of your life, a part of who you are, a part of every day. But is that the reality in your own life? If not, how can you promote this attitude of thanksgiving in your life, as well as in the lives of others? Open your Bible now and let's join Tom with today's message on the Word Unleashed. Hendrickson, William Hendrickson, the great commentator, points out in his commentary on this passage that for thanksgiving to be expressed to God requires three things. We must personally experience blessings from God. That's true of every person. Secondly, we must recognize that nothing we have done has merited or earned those blessings. In fact, we are completely unworthy of them. And thirdly, that those blessings we have received are huge and manifold and unending. And folks, where those three things are true, we will acknowledge the benefits we have received and we will express genuine gratitude to God. But if any one of those is missing, we won't. Well, the first one can't be missing because we've all received amazing blessings from God. So it's one of the second two. Either we don't recognize that we are unworthy of them and done nothing to merit or earn them, or we really don't see the magnitude of what God has done for us. William Hendrickson goes on to write, Gratitude is that which completes the circle, whereby blessings that drop down into the hearts and lives of believers return to the giver in the form of unending, loving, and spontaneous adoration. We acknowledge the blessings God has poured out in our lives, and we express true gratitude for them. That's what Paul's referring to here. That brings us to a third question. When? When should we give thanks? Look at verse 20 again. Always giving thanks to God. Now, that doesn't mean that every waking moment we're to give thanks. That's impossible. There were times when Paul was praying or preaching the gospel to others. When Paul was preaching, he wasn't always giving thanks. So what does it mean? By always, he means constantly. He means it ought to be a constant pattern of our lives. It ought to be part of who we are, part of every day of our lives. In fact, let me give you a little more specific insight into this. If you look in Scripture at when thanksgiving was offered in the lives of both Old and New Testament saints, here are a few examples. This is what he means by always. Before mealtime is an obvious one. You know, there's a preacher of a well-known church here in our area, in this case a preacher I respect, who 
once said, and I remember hearing him say, it doesn't matter if you thank God for your food before your meal. In fact, that's just become a tradition. Well, it's true. It can easily become something we don't mean, but that doesn't mean it isn't important. If you look at the New Testament, every time Jesus is captured eating in the New Testament, he's giving thanks before he eats. Listen, here's one example. John 6, 11, Jesus took the loaves, this is the feeding of the 4,000, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. He does the same thing at the Last Supper. He does the same thing on other occasions. Paul does this, Acts 27, 35. Paul's on the boat, you remember, they're contemplating what's gonna happen. Paul took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all, and then he broke it and they began to eat. Romans 14, 6, he who eats, talking about now questionable things, whether you can eat things sacrificed to idols or not. He who eats does so for the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. 1 Timothy 4 says everything, all the food God made, everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. That was part of the life of the people of God throughout the scriptures. Another example is daily in private worship. What do you mean by always? Well, before the meals, that's one place. But daily in private worship. I love the window we have into Daniel's life in Daniel chapter 6. You remember the story, of course. The edict is passed. His enemies are trying to get him. And it says this in Daniel 6.10. Once he knew that the document was signed, he entered his house And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. Three times a day, Daniel set aside time to get alone with God in private worship, and part of that was to offer to God his thanks. This was part of his daily life, part of his daily worship. It should be for you and me as well when we set aside that time to be with the Lord. Our hearts ought to be filled and overflowing with thanks to God. It should be in all our prayers. Every time you pray, your prayer should include thanksgiving. This is what Paul says, Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know, we're always saying, God, give me, give me, give me, but our prayers are supposed to be, thank you, Thank you, thank you at the same time. Colossians 4.2, Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. In all our prayers, there is to be thanksgiving going back to God. To be a part of the corporate worship, thanksgiving is. Psalm 35.18, I will give you thanks in the great congregation among a mighty throng. At the temple, in the temple worship, There were those choirs, you remember we talked about last time, and they were assigned the purpose in David's time, in Solomon's time, in Hezekiah's time when the worship was recovered, as well as in the the time of the exiles returning in Nehemiah's time. In all of those cases, we're told, they were assigned to sing in order to give thanks to God. It was part of the corporate worship, to thank God. But let's go to the New Testament church. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 14. Now, I'm not going to get into the major issue here, which is the issue of tongues. Suffice it to say that the Corinthians were abusing the New Testament gift of speaking in tongues, which was nothing other than the ability to speak in a language that they had not studied. 
That's what happened at Pentecost. Read it carefully in Acts 2. That's what it is every other time it occurs throughout the flow of the New Testament. They were abusing that because they were using that gift in the public worship, the corporate worship, when there was nobody there who understood that language and there was nobody there to interpret it. It was all about them and their gift. But what I want you to see is what was part of the public worship, the corporate worship of the New Testament church as well. Look down in verse 16. When you bless in the Spirit only, that is when there's nobody to interpret, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you're saying? For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not edified. If you're giving thanks to God, which was obviously here a part of the first century worship, the corporate worship of the church, and other people don't understand you, it's not benefiting them, it's not building them up. That's his point. But the point I want you to see is that the giving of thanks was part of the first century corporate worship. You see this in Colossians. Turn over to Colossians chapter 3. As he talks about music in the parallel passage to the one we're studying in Ephesians 5, we've looked at it several times, but notice here in verse 16 of Colossians 3, we're told corporately, to sing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When we come together to worship God, even in song, our songs are to be expressions of thanks to God. When do we give thanks? The answer is thanksgiving should be part of the the wharf and woof of our lives. It should be woven together into our lives as a constant practice in our private worship, in our corporate worship as a church, in our prayers, in all of our prayers, in our time of giving thanks before meals. It just should weave its way through our lives every day. A fourth question we need to ask is, for what? For what should we give thanks? Look again at Ephesians 5.20. Paul says, always giving thanks for all things. Now, when Paul wrote this, he was in a Roman prison. He was in a Roman prison because he had been unjustly arrested. You remember in Acts, the the Jewish enemies he had in Jerusalem said, he's the enemy of the law, he's the enemy of the Jewish people, and in fact, he's even unlawfully brought Greeks, Gentiles, into the temple grounds. He's broken our law. None of that was true. But he was arrested by the Romans because of the disturbance that ensued, and he ends up having to appeal to Caesar, so he's in prison unjustly accused. And yet from prison, he says, I want you to give thanks for all things. Now, how could he say that? How could you give thanks? How could he give thanks for injustice when God is a God of justice? It's important to understand this because this passage has often been abused and misunderstood. Paul is not saying here that we should give God thanks for those things that are contrary to his word and to his nature. For example, we're not commanded here to thank God for our spouse's adultery, for the rape of a woman, for a child's death, for a Christian's sin, for a church's fall into division and split. So what does it mean to thank God for all things? And it means we should thank God for everything good that we enjoy. It means we should thank God for everything consistent with his will and his plan. 
all of the spiritual blessings we enjoy in Christ, our salvation, sanctification, glorification, we should also thank God, and here's where it touches on evil things in our lives, we should also thank God for the fact that he can bring good even out of those evil circumstances that are contrary to both his commands and his nature. What we cannot do is thank God for the evil itself. I like the way John Stott describes this. He writes, God abominates evil, and we cannot praise or thank him for what he abominates. The everything here for which we are to give thanks is to be for everything which is consistent with the loving fatherhood of God and the self-revelation he has given us in Jesus Christ. So we don't thank him for the evil. Instead, we thank him for the fact that he can work in and through that evil to accomplish what the person who committed it never intended. He can use even evil for our good. We can thank him that he's so good that he can bring good out of evil. This is what Joseph meant when he said to his brothers in Genesis 50, 20, he said, you meant it for evil. It was evil. The murderous thoughts of your heart are not pleasing to God. God didn't make you have those thoughts, but God used and directed them to ends you never saw and never intended. He meant it for good. So we thank God that he can do that. Romans 8, 28, God causes all things to work together for our good. We can give God thanks that he sovereignly orchestrates even evil events while he's not responsible for them. He can use them for good in our lives. I think you see a glimpse of what this looks like in Paul. Look at Philippians chapter one. Remember now, this is another one of the prison epistles. Paul's in prison, unjustly accused, been there, for a long time, had to appeal to Caesar, will eventually be exonerated and freed. Notice what he says in verse 12. While the word thanks doesn't occur here, I think you can see the attitude in his heart. In prison, unjustly accused. Now I want you to know, this is Philippians 1.12, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else, and that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Paul says, listen, God is so amazing. He has used the injustice of my situation to accomplish amazing ends. And you can sense from his heart that spirit of thanksgiving. Not for the injustice, but for the amazing character of God that can turn even evil into good. We're to thank God for all things, that is, in all circumstances, not for evil, but for even the evil circumstances, how he can turn it to good. We're also to thank God for all people. 1 Timothy 2.1 says, I urge that thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men and for kings and all who are in authority. Let me ask you, when's the last time, and I know I'm treading on dangerous ground in conservative Texas here, but when's the last time you thanked God for the leadership of our state and of our country? I'm not making this up. That's right there in 1 Timothy 2.1. We're commanded to thank God. Sometimes the people God brings into our lives are for our benediction and our blessing. Other times he uses them for other purposes which are not so pleasant, but regardless, we are to thank him because he's in charge. We're especially to thank God for other Christians. Paul begins most of his letters this way, doesn't he? 
I love that. Almost every letter, it's predictable. And it's not just there as filler, okay? Paul wasn't lying. Remember, these books are inspired. He wasn't doing like we do sometimes when we say, yeah, I'll pray for you, and then we don't have any intention of doing that. Paul's saying, I thank God for you. Let me ask you, when's the last time you thank God for the Christians sitting around you, for the Christians in your life, maybe in your home? We are to give thanks for all things and all people, physical and spiritual blessings, ordinary and extraordinary, past, present, and future, for things God has given, for things God has taken away, for things God has just withheld, for everything we enjoy that is good, for everything consistent with his will and his plan, and for the fact that he can even bring good out of evil circumstances that are contrary to both his word and his nature. There's another question we need to ask, to whom? To whom do we give thanks? Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things to God, even the Father. You know, many people take full credit to themselves for what they have and what they've accomplished. They consider themselves to be self-made. They believe that they alone are responsible for their success. But most people aren't like that. Most people understand that others have at least a part in their success, and so they're happy to express some degree of thanks to other people. But often they are not happy to acknowledge the first cause of those blessings, because for human beings, ultimately all our thanks should be directed to God. Even if we thank someone else, ultimately God is responsible for that goodness in my life. He is the only true object of thanksgiving in the universe. You know, to me, that's what makes Thanksgiving celebration such a tragedy for so many people, is they celebrate Thanksgiving, but they never really express thanks to the one person to whom thanks should be offered. As Dante Rossetti, the artist, wrote, the worst moment for the atheist is when he's really thankful and has nobody to thank. For us who know God, our thanks is always addressed to our God, even our Father. Our God as creator, sustainer, and our Father by redemption. How should we give thanks? That's the question we need to ask. How? Final question. Verse 20. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or as it says in a number of other places, giving thanks through him. He is the channel through which all our thanks are offered to God. Why? Because it is only through Jesus as our mediator that we can come before God at all. And every blessing we enjoy, whether temporal or spiritual, flows to us through the sacrifice of Christ. Have you ever thought about this? Listen to John Piper. For redeemed sinners, every good thing, indeed every bad thing that God turns for good, was obtained for us by the cross of Christ. Apart from the death of Christ, the sinner gets nothing but judgment. Apart from the cross of Christ, there is only condemnation. Therefore, everything that you enjoy is owing to the death of Christ. Every blessing you and I enjoy flows to us through Christ and his death, even the simplest of human joys. Recently, I got home late from a meeting, and a couple of my girls were already in bed. And I went in their room after they were asleep, and I went in to give them a, a goodnight kiss. And, and I just stood there for a moment, just thinking about, reveling in God's goodness to me. You see, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be a dad. 
I don't deserve to enjoy that moment. The only thing I really deserve is God's eternal wrath. But Jesus Christ, in his death, bought that moment for me. He bought every good thing I enjoy. Every other blessing of family and love and earthly joy and all the spiritual blessings of election and salvation and justification and sanctification and glorification and eternity. And so I offer my thanks to God in the name of or through Jesus Christ as the channel of my gratitude to God because of who he is and because of what he accomplished in his death and resurrection. So Paul here is saying to us, whenever a person is truly under the influence of the Spirit and the Word is richly dwelling within him or her, there will be a pattern of thanksgiving. Now I've taken much longer than I intended, but I want to give you a quick list. If expressing our thanks is so important, how can we promote thanksgiving? How can we promote this Spirit? Let me just give you a real quick list. Number one, if you want to promote thanksgiving, embrace Christ as Lord because we are all by nature unthankful, Romans 1 says. The only way we can have a thankful heart is to be changed at the most basic level. And the only person who can do that is Jesus Christ. You will be a grumbler and a complainer the rest of your life until your heart is changed by Christ. Number two, be filled with the Spirit by the Word. Here in Ephesians 5, this thankfulness is an overflow of being filled by the Spirit with the Word of God richly. Number three, cultivate a sense of your own unworthiness. Remember that you're just a beggar and that everything you get from God is the overflow of His generosity. Isn't that how the Christian life begins? Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, the beggars in spirit. Remember that you're just a beggar and you'll be happy with the generosity of God toward you. Number four, Rehearse the blessings you have received from God. Take time to rehearse God's blessings. The Psalms do this over and over again. They rehearse what God has done. What do you have that you have not received? Number five, review and apply the truth of God's sovereignty. If you understand God's sovereignty, you'll be thankful to Him because you'll know that whatever good you have comes from Him and that He's in control even when the evil things come. While He didn't bring them, He can use them for good. So if you understand God's sovereignty, it will promote thanksgiving in your heart. Number six, believe in the goodness of God. How often does the psalm begin? Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. When you really understand the goodness of God to you, your heart will overflow in thanksgiving. The last one, always remember the gift of Christ and salvation. 2 Corinthians 9.15, Paul says, Thanks be to God for his what? Indescribable gift. Speaking of Christ. I want you to turn to one last passage, and that's in Hebrews chapter 13. The writer of Hebrews finishes his book. He's described everything we have in Christ, the reality that he sacrificed himself for us. He bought everything for us at the cross. And notice how he finishes. After all of that, Hebrews 13.15, Through him, that is through Christ then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. What do you mean? That is, here's what I mean, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. You really understand what you've received in Christ. It just flows back to him in a sacrifice of praise. That is, lips that constantly thank him for what you have. 
That's Tom Pennington here on The Word Unleashed with part eight of The Holy Spirit's Influence. Tom will bring you part nine on our next broadcast as he once again takes us to God's Word. Do join us then. Well, Tom, could you quickly remind us how we can encourage thankfulness in ourselves and others? Well, first and foremost, you have to remember that this quality of gratitude, a heart of thankfulness, is produced in us as a result of the influence of the Holy Spirit. So you need to rely on the work of the Spirit. But how exactly does the Spirit do this? How does He produce gratitude? He doesn't generate thankfulness out of thin air. Instead, it is as we are in the Scripture, as we're in the Word of God, as we understand more about who God is, what He's done for us in Christ, what He continues to do to care for us, that prompts us by the work of the Spirit to true gratitude. So rely on the Spirit and be in the Scripture, ultimately the source of a truly thankful heart. Thanks, Tom. And friend, it's our prayer that you'll be enriched by the expository teaching of God's Word here on The Word Unleashed. We'd love to hear your story and how God is enriching you in your walk with Christ through this ministry. Write to us, won't you? Our address is listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Again, that's listeners at thewordunleashed.org. Or you can call us at 1-877-577-WORD. And be sure to connect with us on social at The Word Unleashed. You know, The Word Unleashed is made possible because of the prayers and financial gifts of individuals like you. Please consider partnering with us. You can find out how to do that by visiting thewordunleashed.org. That's thewordunleashed.org. And now for Tom Pennington and the entire team, I'm Bill Wright. Thanks for listening to The Word Unleashed, exalting God's glory, explaining God's truth.